0: Welcome to Mormon Book Reviews, where an evangelical encounters the Restoration. I am your host, Stephen Pinecker, and I'm truly honored to have my next guest on, who is. Uh, ah, let me just put it this way: I read so many books, and I enjoy reading the books. But and, and I read the footnotes, and I get really detailed and stuff, and, um, and I enjoy it. But uh, I saw, and uh, this this dude and. The product that he was putting out, I believe it was um, Brett Metcalf, po- posted uh, a promotion of your graphic novel. And uh, I was like, this looks really cool. So I found the um, YouTube uh, description of it. I saw the YouTube video promotion. I was like, oh, okay, dude, I got to get this guy on. So we just chatted the other day, and I'm honored to have the uh, artist, the illustrator, the author and creator of this fine, um, cool graphic novel called The Glass Looker. Give him the full title, by the way, Mark. And it's Mark Elwood is my my guest.
1: Thank you so much, um, Stephen, for that intro. Um, So yeah, I'm the uh, creator of The Glass Looker. The full title is The Glass Looker, Collected Tales of Joseph Smith. And to be honest, that subtitle kind of came later as I was thinking of how I wanted to format this book. Um, originally, I was thinking of it being a very tight, you know, um, graphic novel. Um, and then as I started to put it together, I decided I wanted to, to have the freedom to sort of treat it as vignettes. And we kind of got the idea from some of the other kind of uh, writings of the, of the time, I guess. And... Um, so yeah, collected tales is is what it turned into, and we that gives me a little bit of freedom to not have it quite as tight, but have these stories that connect to each other. So
0: what I and so basically the the object of this is to basically tell the the lore and the folklore, the the tales that surrounded Joseph Smith. Some of these stories are based in historical fact. Some of these are based on just oral. Testimonies that were given decades later. Um, right. So it's one of those things where uh, you're, you're basically taking the entire package and putting it into a cohesive unit to tell a story.
1: Right. Um, I guess that is an important note that what I am drawing um, is not necessarily, well, cert- almost certainly not what happened um, historically. It is, in fact, uh, more of the legends and the lore lore. Um, and what I'm trying to do is take those stories that people have told about Joseph, um, especially in regards to the treasure digging adventures, um, and just kind of try to relate those as if the, um, the teller or the, the storyteller is, is being completely factual. So I just go with what the statement is and try to illustrate it without making up too much detail on, you know, or narrative on my own.
0: So this, the, the early days of Joseph Smith, the childhood and his uh, early day, early mug, uh, money digging days are really kind of like some of the more interesting period of, of that mm-hmm. history. It's really fascinating to me. I'm, I'm most fascinated with Mormonism, if you will, of the 1820s and up to the mid-1830s. That's where a lot of the action mm-hmm. was. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so it's an exciting uh, time. And so I think that taking the stories that were out there. And, you know, this is really interesting because like, I want to relate to my audience now, of course, my channel is about the full spectrum of the restoration. I want to have all the different voices on my program, but I also want to talk about how in Christianity, you know, we have the canon of what's in scripture, but we also have these, these other tales and stories that developed Mm -hmm. about Jesus Mm -hmm. and, and then the apostle Paul, uh, and some and 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 then these battles that Peter would have with uh, Simon Mangus. and and these mm-hmm. were stories about the apostles about Jesus Jesus's childhood. Some of these stories were disturbing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, they weren't necessarily uh, faith promoting, if you will, but these were popular with Christians. So what I think it what you're doing is you're taking the collected stories and putting them in a volume. And preserving them in a way that we see with early Christianity, where we have access
1: to those early stories, those non-canonical stories as well. Yeah, so this that is really cool. And I, I kind of had forgotten, not forgotten, but it's not a part that I emphasize much to a Mormon audience, um, where on my mission, um, I really got interested in the lost tales, you know, like about from the Bible, or or um, not just the, the lost books, but the... Um, pseudepigrapha if that's how you say it and Mm -hmm. the apocrypha because mormons don't really use it but we we have a quote by i think joseph saying that you know something about how it was there was mostly good in there so it gave me kind of like freedom to branch out into that area and for uh the longest time i really was super fascinated in those stories um you know like the like you mentioned the stories about young Jesus in Egypt, you know, and he, he, they brought him in front of an idol and the idol crumbled, you know, cool stuff like that. Those, those kinds of stories have always fascinated me just because they're ones that we don't hear and granted they're, you know, the, the history of them is, is very sketchy, but, um, you know, they're still fan, fantastic.
0: Yeah, they are. You know, one of my favorite stories as I always remember is I remember reading uh, a tale in which the apostle, a lion comes to the apostle Paul. And he says, "I want you to baptize me," and he gets into this argument with the Apostle Paul. Well, he's, you're not human, but the lion insisted, "You please, I, I want to be baptized into the faith." So he does, reluctantly, but he ba- he baptizes this lion into Christianity. Well,
1: well I heard that one
0: <laughs> later in the story. As the story goes, uh, Paul is thrown into a lion's den. Mm-hmm. But guess what? Lion is there. Well, oh. the he baptized him, so it saves the day. I just think that's a cool story.
1: You know, it makes a lot more sense when you have that story to add to the, the rest of it. So yeah, that's great.
0: <laughs> yeah, and so that's kind of what I'm thinking about when we're talking about the early days of Mormonism is that, of course, there's going to be stories that come out about Joseph, mm-hmm. what people said. Some, some of them are going to be tales that are, if you will, very faith-promoting, and mm-hmm. then some of them are going to be the detractors. And mm-hmm. you're taking those stories and you're putting them all in there And I think that that's kind of a,
1: like a a cool thing that you're doing. Yeah. Because there's a reason humans tell stories, you know, whether, you know, they just, uh, I feel like they shouldn't be lost, you know, these kind of stories. So, um, and since Mormonism is kind of young, we still have access to a lot of these stories too. So, so in the,
0: in the graphic novel, you open up with uh, captain kid and, uh, there's a lot of, uh, tales about captain Kidd that were super popular at the time and apparently in some of um joseph smith's period of time he was uh, influenced by captain K- tales of captain Kidd and buried treasure mm-hmm. and then there are also stories about spanish um spanish mines hidden spanish mines and different different uh treasures that were uh dotted throughout the land of course on top of that we also have the mounds You know, Mm -hmm. there were treasures in there. So this is the world Joseph was in. So talk a little bit about that world of looking for lost buried treasure.
1: Sure. Um, So it was, it's a weird period of time where um, the world went crazy, I guess, on just in the Americas anyway, um, where they were really looking for treasure and they um, thought that there would be some there. Um, And so we have... um, yeah, Captain Kidd, basically the whole Eastern coastline was dug up. Um, I personally have tracked, I mean, I don't know, like I, I'm looking at my map over here, but I've probably got, you know, like 30, 40 different, um, treasure digs that are not, not related to Joseph Smith, but just, uh, con- contemporaries are earlier that we're looking for, um, kids treasure. And then, um, and I, I opened with Kid because um, he really did bury some treasure and it was recovered at Gardner's Island. Um, and I think that was the reason, um, that was one of the main reasons that people were thinking there really was treasure out there because, um, you know, it was a hard life. I mean, like you, what else are you going to do at night, you know? Uh, and it's it's a chance for you to go out there and try to change your your trajectory in your life. If you find treasure, you know, you've made it. So yeah. Um, sorry, I was getting off there. But basically, yeah, there's kid, there was like you've mentioned some of the other ones, there's um also robbers, um like bandits maybe would steal stuff and bury stuff. Um we the other stories would include um revolutionary war kind of loot, uh especially Tories um and uh, yeah, Native Americans or an ancient race that uh, existed. You know, their their belief system back then was that there was some kind of ancient race that existed before the Native Americans, um, and uh, they probably hid their treasures as well. So, um, just this, there's a lot of different sources, a lot of different places to dig for treasure. Um, and then you
0: could give us the story of Lumen Walters, mm-hmm. and uh, kind of give us a interesting tale of. Well, first of all, you illustrate very beautifully the process of a search of how, what all the incantations and the slaughtering of a rooster and, mm-hmm. uh, and then the interactions that young Joseph has with him. And this gentleman also has a stone in the hat. So just talk a little bit about
1: that story. Okay, so um, for that part, I've mostly followed the Abner Cole account um, and... You know, a lot of people have done a ton of research on Lumen Walters, and um, I basically like, um, I, I just followed the account that Abner Cole kind of spells out, and I have also combined a little bit of the Fayette Laugham account. Um, there, I'm not the first person to speculate that the, um, the man with the stone that he refers to could be um, Lumen Walters. And it's sort of an alternate origin story for where Joseph first encounters a seer stone. Um, usually we go for, you know, it's kind of like three origin stories, really. You have the Sally Chase story, you have Lumen Walter's story, and you have, or or the Fayette Laffam account, and you also have the, um, the brown seer stone. So, you know, I think obviously at this point, people have figured out, well, all these stories could, could be true um, or, um, you know, or just, you know, basically like Sally's story is about one stone and the, the chase well is another stone. So um, anyway, so I tried to follow um, the kind of combine some of those accounts to create that Lumen Walters treasure dig. Um, Abner Cole, he's, a, he's really, you know, he's very, um, he's got a strong voice in his account. He's very antagonistic um people have speculated maybe it's because he was involved and maybe possibly tricked um it was on property he owned so how would he want you know he might have known some of it so um but that account is the primary one that i use for for that one um you know it's it's so interesting because you
0: did talk about how um you know they there was beliefs um about an ancient race that inhabited. And that a lot of people thought that they were white white skinned people mm-hmm. who built the mounds. What I found interesting, you made an editorial decision that when mm-hmm. the people were talking in their their beliefs at that time, you made a point as an editor to mm-hmm. say, I find these views offensive, I don't believe them. Why did you feel the need to put that editorial in there?
1: Um, <clears throat> that's a good question. Um, I. Yeah, I didn't. I don't like the whole breaking into the story as the editor, but um, I tried to do it as. Yeah, you were like Mormon. You were breaking into the story there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but I think I, I was trying to do it without disrupting the narrative too much. But um, I wanted to point out that, you know, this isn't just me saying this. Um, I'm not. I'm not making this up. I, I mean, hopefully, people after they read each narrative section. They then see the source where i'm getting it from but i also didn't i wanted people immediately to know that this was a a, a view of the people at the time and not my own view obviously um and it uh you know it, it was held by people of all ranks of life you know you, you had DeWitt Clinton touring the area and he was documenting every mound and he was sure that it was basically like Roman like people, you know, that used to live here. Um and I think a lot of people now he he's and he was you know very important, um high class, whereas the Smiths you could say were farmers and um so it was a wide range of people that believed that there must have been some other race here before.
0: But is i mean i just found it interesting you made that decision what Mm -hmm. just is it because it was just the sensitivity of the topic of race that caused you to feel that you had to put that in there
1: yeah well it's a, a thing we're dealing with still today in mormonism i mean it's like a hot topic even now so you know um they've you know we have apologists kind of people um trying to explain you know the curse or the 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 um, black skin and you know they have all different ways of trying to try and explain it but the fact is it's a 19th century kind of uh calling Indeed. card yeah. yeah yeah so um just wanted to make that aware yeah
0: uh, okay i i understand yeah i i just wanted to kind of get some some in, input there and so um <clears throat> one of the things that i found interesting was that you introduced the the character of joseph early on as a palm reader mm-hmm. um at first, I didn't understand what was you were doing. And then I realized, oh, he's reading poems. And then mm-hmm. you know, one thing I want to talk to the audience is that, you know, uh, as with everything in Mormonism, footnotes and documentation is so important. And even in the graphic novel, you make a point to have the actual quote from the documents and you have separate pages that give the information. So mm-hmm. you have Joseph reading poems. What's that all about?
1: Yeah, so um, generally the way I want to do this graphic novel is I, I decided I would start... Um, kind of following what um, Michael Quinn does, where he's kind of like, he graduates up the scale of, of, uh, you know, like the type of magic or the, um, that he's experimenting with. So, you know, um, we're starting with things kind of simple, like palm reading, um, dreams and visions and things like this. Uh, We'll have a scene soon. It's like reading uh, the tea leaves um, but then we get to, you know, dowsing, which is, you know, people do that today. Still, um, we have, and then eventually we're getting to more, um, fantastic things, uh, you know, spirits and seer stones and, um, more intense visions and then animal sacrifice, you know, um, some pretty dark stuff towards the middle of the story. Um, and, you know, and then just like I, i'm basically following a hero's journey so joseph will get to a low point when he gets to his glass looking trial in 1826 then um that will come back around to um him you know pulling the the magical world that he's learned into a new system uh be, you know uh, working to get the book of mormon or the golden plates i mean
0: yeah, so this is just gives you a little taste of some of the content in this. I had the honor of you sending me a digital copy because it hasn't been printed yet. And a little later on, I'm going to explain how you get how people can get a copy of this upcoming uh, exciting book. Um, I uh, I just I just really find that you've done a lot of research, and you decided just kind of give me the history of. Um, when did you this idea germinate that you wanted to create this graphic novel? because it, it, it was a story that's been meant to be told in this uh, this way for a very long time and you're the first one to do it. Give me the what, what made this start this
1: whole thing up um, Okay, let's see. So the way it all started was um, you know as I was kind of going through my own journey and starting to read a lot of those you know history books, um, I um, I read Rough Stone Rolling, and then immediately after that, I read um, Making of a Prophet by Dan Vogel, and that one um, I found myself sketching too. Uh, so I ended up kind of filling up sketchbook with different uh, ideas, and you know, just whenever there was something that popped in my head. And uh, from there, you know, I started thinking about doing an art book. Um, maybe like a, a guide to treasure digging, which I still might do as like a side thing. I don't know. Um, but then it eventually I was like, you know, these are really cool stories and um, I don't want to lose them. Or I, somebody needs to tell these stories. And Maybe I'm not the right guy to do this, but I, I can right now. I'm in a position where I could do it because I work out of the house um, as a freelance artist. And my wife really convinced me. I mean, it's really her fault, um, sort of that I decided I would try to turn it into a graphic novel. I've never done a graphic novel before, so um, this is my first um, jump into it, and it's, you can probably, even when you're reading it, you can start at the beginning, and it gets stronger as I go, um, and I'm, I'm learning as I go, so, um, but yeah, I think, I don't, the, I didn't throw in a date in there, but I guess uh, it would have been, I mean, uh, you know, it's been like five years, at least, of kind of researching and um, I want to say, let's see, it's like, yeah, like probably like five
0: years ago. I five years ago, it. wow. So mm-hmm. you, so you really, so you would say Dan Vogel really got you started on this. And of mm-hmm. course, if you're going into this story, into this world, you're going to also be talking to, uh, or engaging D. Michael Quinn's work.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was in there, too, somewhere, you know, like at some point you just start absorbing everything. And so I want to say, like, I am not a a trained historian or anything, but um, I I just find like all those books, I was just I was unaware of them. I always thought church history was kind of (laughs) boring. Yeah, it's totally not. And when I realized that I was like, well, this is a chance for me to kind of You know, throw my hat in the ring or join the conversation. I can't really contribute a massive book. That's not really who I am. Um, And nor should I, these guys have done so much work and and women, I I say guys as just everyone, but um, there's some great books out there. And um, so I wanted to, um, I just figured like this will reach a different type of audience. And I'm hoping that by showing the sources and showing some of the newspapers and some of the things from the time period throughout the um, narrative that it might interest some people to go grab you know go find a book about Joseph Smith a, a biography or something yeah of, yeah yeah that's just really interesting so now let me ask you Did you
0: ever get your hands on a copy of the refiner's fire
1: yeah it's it's there somewhere
0: okay good all right so I'm just testing you to see how good much research you did so you definitely hit all the all the big ones that's good yeah did you uh, get anything out of the refiner's fire was that a helpful book
1: uh, so okay, I will admit I just picked up Refiner's Spire at Sunstone just oh, okay. a few weeks ago. I but I have you know I'm kind of aware of some of the stuff, but I I um yeah that it's it's always like this too. Like I I start researching and then I draw and then I'll run into something I'm not aware of or a new story that I'm not mm-hmm. I haven't really considered and then I'll have to go back to research spiral. So that's one of the reasons this first book has taken so long is it's been a difficult period. It's 1821 and mostly where I'm, I'm covering. And um, it, there's just not a lot that's really blocked out there. Um, when we get into 1822 and in 1823, of course, it gets very, you know, we know where Joseph is weekly almost. You know, not yeah. Really. Yeah.
0: Like, and then when we speculate about the different stories like alvin's um mm-hmm. body being disturbed mm-hmm. uh the speculation of course what that might have been all about i imagine you'll be touching on that
1: yeah yeah i will um i want to kind of show things um in the best light possible uh Good. yeah f- try to keep you know i don't i don't want to speculate on so i will be showing that scene like them exhuming alvin i have sketches of it already okay. um but i um don't want to show because we don't know we don't know yeah. exactly what happened so it'll be a little it might even be a little unsatisfying because we won't know exactly but I do feel like that is a moment that possibly could um turn Joseph away for a little bit um from the magic or the occult because um you know he gives back the stone just not uh, at that, around that same time and kind of gets into the revival stuff at that point so for a period, he, he gives up on the magical world. Um, so, yeah, oh. that's what I'm using it as kind of an instigating yeah. moment. Yeah, because a little taste it's of what's coming up. And yeah, mm-hmm. so
0: and, and this, is, this is an endlessly fascinating oh. story. I just, I wanted to kind of spitball with you a little bit here because okay. one of the books that I uh, really enjoyed, and this would probably be in your third volume, uh, but, and, and you're probably still barely just outlining that at this point, but a couple of things. Uh, you have Don Bradley's book, The Lost 116 Pages.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And one of the things I found so interesting about the book was he try he he basically attempts to reconstruct the last 116 pages of mm-hmm. the Book of Mormon. And in that story, there's a different story that's different from the Book mm-hmm. of Mormon based on what other people were saying was that, yeah. I mean, it's just really brilliant how he reconstructed this stuff. One of the things I found fascinating was that there's an alternative story about for instance when they land on the Americas they encounter these ancient ruins and they presumed that they possibly may have even been built by giants mm-hmm. and i thought what about taking some of those early stories of the book of mormon and maybe integrating that into into this story because i think just having like a different story of the book of mormon illustrated might be kind of a cool thing
1: yeah so um i don't yeah that don bradley is amazing and um the uh uh, that a lot of that stuff comes from the Fayette Laugham. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Uh, the Fayette Laugham account, because it's Joseph senior and he's very early on talking to Fayette Laugham who then records it like what years, years and later, but still he records a slight, you know, different and more kind of interesting story that possibly Joseph senior is telling. Right. So, and there's some other ones too. Um, some of the Harris's and things, but yeah, like uh, there does seem to be some, like the giants and uh, some interesting that th- possibly the the people before were um you know it's not just not just uh joseph um there's other people nearby that the, in the rochester area there was a kind of a prophet guy there or a, a seer that was talking about giant race of people and even a small race of people too um so yeah i will be I didn't show too much, like, I don't think I showed any flashbacks yet or anything like that, but I have just visions, but there will be some flashbacks in the next book. Um, And as the book is, um, as the Book of Mormon is constructed, I will be showing like what we are um, visualizing there.
0: Yeah, yeah, so cool. And like, even like the wood scrape incident, you know, that predates Joseph. uh, That's a
1: fascinating story as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I, I've considered drawing that. Um, There is another artist who has um, illustrated a comic style of that as well. It's pretty cool. So, and I'm sorry, I can't think of his name right off my head. It's um, Nick Perkins. Nick Perkins. Okay. Yeah, Yeah. that's cool. Um, In
0: the the back of your book, you have kind of a sketchbook. Um, I'm assuming that's going to be in the uh, printed edition.
1: Yeah, and extended. I have a few more pages I want to throw in there, but yeah.
0: Uh, I wanted to ask you, because one of the things you did was you you drew the spectacles that accompany mm-hmm. the Book of Mormon. Oh, what made you decide to make them regular-sized spectacles and not oversized spectacles?
1: Did I do that? Well, I don't know if I drew them. So they look like regular yeah. size to scale. Uh, no, they will not be regular-sized. Okay. It, it may be that I drew them... Well. Yeah, I didn't really, there's no scale reference, I guess, other than if you're comparing it to the stones around it or something, but no, 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 I'm, um, oh, you know, I did draw it kind of on the table, you yeah. know, some of these early sketches, maybe I just wasn't, um, okay. Uh, but yeah, you're right. No, um, you know, there's a source that says he held it up, just kind of had to look through one cause the other one was big and yeah. Um, the spectacles are interesting cause there's a lot of, con- uh, There's a lot of sources that don't agree on, you know, are they clear or are they white with speckles in them and stuff like that. So, but it's fun. I'll I'll figure out how I'm doing that when we see them. (laughs) You know, it was when I was talking to Dr. Richard Bushman, we got into a little bit about the spectacles
0: Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, because he's really, he's been doing a study about the plates for for like 10 years. He's been doing this work on Mm -hmm. the plates. And I said, you know, but the most fascinating thing about Joseph and his story is he was more interested in those spectacles
1: than he was Mm -hmm. in the plates. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. He said that he could see anything in, in them, right? So, yeah. and uh, yeah, who knows what happened to those, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I uh, and and then
0: I, I just going back to the last 116 pages book. I liked how he took the um this took them as a spectacles. Is that they were like swivel, and then you closed them up, and they form the Star of David. The <laughs> I just thought that was kind of a cool speculation yeah, on his part.
1: So I will say I'm kind of a nerd about that, but there's a sketch out there where they have a, a right triangle and they have another a compass. And they say, when you close it, it makes a Star day, David, but that doesn't, that does not work. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, it's but it's, it's cool. a good idea. It's a yeah. good idea. Yeah. It I kind of like the uh, the
0: people, the spe- well, this is what this whole book yeah. and this whole story lends itself to the speculation yeah. and the adventure that all of this is. Um, and uh, you know, I just think that's like such a cool, cool thing that you're doing. Um, tell me a little bit about what the plan is for the release of this book and how people can go about getting their hands on an upcoming copy.
1: Okay, um, so since I am self-publishing here in Atlanta, I am taking pre-orders until September 1st, um, and then after that, I'm uh, halting pre-orders. But you can still purchase it. Um, once I have the first run printed. So um, the, the reason for that is it gives me sort of an estimate on how many I should be running on that first print. And um, and then I will be shipping it and hopefully getting it all out to everybody by September 22nd. And that's just sort of uh, tongue in cheek because September 22nd is, you know, that's the day you got to appease the, the treasure guardian. So... <sighs> I didn't
0: even catch that, man. That's okay. I didn't yeah. even, I, how did I not catch September 22nd? I know. It's kind of a
1: random date. A lot of people were like, huh? You know, like, why are you? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's just why. That's I'm just being kind of an idiot. So, yeah. Oh,
0: so, I just want a little bit about your background. So, like, did you serve, a, were you, like, born and raised in a church and serve a mission and all that? Yeah.
1: Um, yeah no, I, I enjoyed my Mormon upbringing. Uh, I was raised in Nevada. And um, I... Uh, served a two-year mission in knoxville tennessee uh, area, the i think it was called the knoxville yeah tennessee knoxville mission um and enjoyed that encountered a lot of uh baptists and uh a lot of you know the, the whole range of christianity there which was new for me I, I would you know growing out west growing up out west i hadn't encountered too many of different faiths um but uh, you know and really lo- enjoyed um, or learned to, to love uh, the people and that was mostly I mean it wasn't a great experience by mission but I um, you know I got out of there and then uh, moved on with my life I uh, went to art school in Atlanta um, and um, I haven't left <laughs> no I ended up doing a an um, aerospace career, uh, kind of doing concept art for uh, various um, aerospace companies here um, in Atlanta, as well as some stuff for the Air Force and NASA and um, stuff like that. Uh, it was really great. So, and, oh, go ahead. Oh no, oh, continue, continue. Oh, I was just gonna say. So, uh, the the end of. I, I guess so, I, I'm not a practicing Mormon, I like to claim the term Mormon, um, I uh, am more of an ex-Mormon or post-Mormon camp, but um, I have learned to kind of um, embrace, uh, like, basically, like, I, I wanted a, a way to deal with Mormonism in a constructive way, and this is how I decided that I would do it, is uh, kind of learn these stories and, and um, share them with others.
0: Yeah, you know, and, and that's kind of the point of this show is, you know, I'm an evangelical, I'm not here to proselytize, I'm not here to bash, I'm here to come have a conversation. I'm not here to have a bunch of ex-Mormons coming on and just say, Did mm-hmm. run down the church. And, and so yeah. I just want faithful members to understand that's not the point of this show, but the show yeah. is to talk to all the different voices. If there's ex-Mormons or post, I actually kind of like Nathan Smith likes to call himself a post-Mormon because he's, mm-hmm. he's an alma mater of Mormonism you know that he was you know he's his graduate you know and 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 he got an education and shaped him for who he was and is appreciative that way and I think I kind of feel the same sense from you
1: yeah absolutely um yeah there's there's definitely like problems I have with Mormonism but I um also like appreciate that it's shaped who I am and uh yeah um and you know I I think that My goal is to kind of, I think I might have already said this, but cast Joseph in um, the best possible light um, with these stories, because um, a lot of them are, you know, in in kind of a fictional fantasy uh, folklore version, you know, they're not necessarily real or anything, but um, I wanted to kind of make it where you could read it as a believer. Um, and I, I like to joke that it, it'll make you feel uncomfortable, but you might be able to get through it and realize that it's just folk you know, folk stories. Um, and if as a historian, if you read it, um, you'd be uncomfortable, you'd be mad at me for probably for treating um, some of these really obscure stories as if they are real. And then if you're reading as an ex-mormon, you might be grumpy that I didn't, you know, show Joseph as a horrible person. So, yeah. Well,
0: you're just right in that right spot. I just think to everyone mad at me. I yeah, think. and that's fine. <laughs> you know, Rick Bennett tells me, he's, uh, I get when I know that I'm getting arrows from both sides, I'm in the right spot. Oh, yeah. You know, So yeah. I kind of think that's that's a good place to be. Yeah, um, yeah it's a fascinating story that you're telling. Um, you're planning on doing three volumes and uh so we're gonna have a trilogy which is so cool
1: or and, more and why be more okay okay we'll that's see. fine
0: and i'll have you i'll have you on for every volume <laughs> that, you, that comes on as long as you promise me you'll send me a free copy <laughs> okay okay <laughs> and uh but uh I just wanted to tell everybody that i'm going to provide a link now this comes out you got to do your pre-order reservation by september 1st 2021 um and the, the print date is going to be of course september 22nd 2021 of course and uh so i'm going to provide a link so that you're able to access that um and also i'm going to provide a link to a promo video that you made uh when i saw that i was like okay i'm having them on this looks too cool um and so i mark i just wanted to thank you so much for coming on to the program uh, do you have any
1: final words for my audience? Oh no, I I want to say like thank you so much. I um I I did not know about your program, and I was thrilled to see what you're doing, and um just super happy that you reached out, and um you know just um again like really happy with what you're doing. Like I think it's really cool. Oh, and I just wanted to shout out to like um a, a couple things. Like one is um, the Sunstone Symposium. I mean like. Without that, I had I probably wouldn't. You know, that was kind of my people, I guess. People like me that are kind of on the fringe and have these niche projects. Um, uh, that that definitely kind of started me off. And then, of course, um, I, I mean, I don't know the um, all the people that I'm basically using their work. I mean, like I just really appreciate like um, you know Dan Vogel and Dale Broadhurst and Michael Markwart and all these. You know, I mean, the list is really long, but um just really appreciate all the work that those guys have done and uh and thank you for for all that research that people have done with their boots on the ground i've i've only done a little bit where i'm you know going out there and researching but um these guys have you know dug through basements and finding documents and things so it's great so
0: yeah and of course the last thing you're supposed to say buy
1: my book (laughs) oh yeah yeah well i mean i'm making this book for me i i want this to exist and So I'm very happy to see it in print um, and I hope that people will enjoy it also. I mean, like it's just a passion project for me. So um, I hope you enjoy it.
0: One of the other things I want to mention is that you will be sending some copies to Benchmark Books Mm -hmm. and let's just um, give a shout out to uh, Kurt Bench. You know, he just passed away. We just heard earlier that he passed away. Mm -hmm. and uh, you know i had the honor to meet him and he was just such a decent fella Mm -hmm. and so let's uh you know i just want to thank her bench for everything he's done
1: yeah
0: he's a good dude so well either way i wanted to remind everybody to like and subscribe and hit the notification uh, bell so that you'll be reminded when a new uh episode comes out i have all the information in the description so you can order the book by clicking on that link I want you all to have a great day. Mark, I want to thank you for coming on my program. Well, thanks a lot, Steve. All right, everybody, have yourself a great day.